Chapter Eight of the Friendly Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Antrim, Northern Ireland. The Friendly Five by Mary C. Hungerford. Chapter Eight. A Rainy Day. After a week of such glorious weather that it was a pleasure merely to be alive there, came a day when the rain fell in hopeless torrents. I wouldn't quarrel with the weather, said Lily, gloomily, if it had the property to do the right thing Saturday. But when our only holiday is spoiled, it seems a little exasperating. I flattened my classic features against the window pane, as long as I can stand it, but I can't find a symptom of clearing up. Let's do something amusing, said Louis Field. There is no fun in just wishing it would stop raining, and that's what we've been doing with intervals for yawning for the last hour. Amusing. Well, I like that. What's going to amuse us? said Belle Burgundy, scornfully. Capping verses is pretty good fun, said Marianne, modestly. It was seldom she made a suggestion, but Edna, who generally snapped her up with a sarcasm or silenced her proposals with blighting sneers, was out of the way now. That's so, said Katie, looking up from a struggle with the accounts that her father required her to keep for very liberal supply of pocket money. It is fun, but I don't remember exactly how it's played. You write a line of poetry and then fold the paper over it and pass it along for your next neighbour to write a line that rhymes with it, don't you? Yes, that's one way, but we used to play it another way for a change. Let's try your way first, and then I'll show you how we used to play it at Jim Monk. There was much stirring about for a few minutes to find pencils and paper, and then a half sheet of Phil's cap was handed to Lily, who wrote a heading and then a first line. A raid, she said, passing the paper on to Katie, after carefully turning down her line so that no one could read it. No one can make a rhyme to that, said Katie, who was not blessed with a powerful rhyming talent. That's one of the words there's no rhyme to, like silver and twelfth. Made, shade, glade, played, suggested Marianne. Oh, yes, said Katie, but I don't know a line of poetry that ends in any of those words. Give Marianne your turn then, said Lily, and maybe you'll get an easier word. So Marianne wrote a line rapidly and then passed the paper to Lottie Bush, who wrote another rhyme to it, for the versification was to be in triplets. Then Katie, thinking it would be easier to inaugurate a rhyme than to find one, began a new verse and gave tail as the final word of her line. Some of the party were very quick, but others had to expend much thought on their lines. So quite a little while passed before the poem was finished and handed to Lily to read. Ahem, she began, clearing her throat. This remarkable poem is the joint production of a number of first-class poets. It was original sometime, and it is called Many Lines from Many Pens by Lots of Folks. An Austrian army, awfully arrayed, sure I'm but a simple village maid, blossomed and ripened in woodland shade. Hope that a flattering tale, she began to weep, and she began to wail. Come in thy beauty, thy marvel of duty, sweet Annie of the Vale. Roll on thy dark and deep blue sea, roll nor lay that flattering unction to your soul, and the distant bells softly toll, toll, toll. Hark from the tombs of doleful sound, the spot whereon thou standest is holy ground. He cleared the barrier with a single bound. Have ye not heard the poet tale? Ding dong dale, pussies in the well, 
down in the meadow sweet blue bell that wasn't bad fun said louis now suppose we try the other way tell us how you do it marianne you compose four lines of poetry or stuff of course you can't really call it poetry and leave off the rhymes and pass it to the next one to guess out the rhymes and put them in but my goodness child we can't all compose poetry what do you take us for said louis won't it do to quote four lines from a book not quite so well for it might be familiar and then you'd be no skill in getting the rhymes oh let's try it said lily it needn't be real poetry as marianne says and we'll get some fun out of it i guess some narrow strips of paper were supplied to each of the party who with the exception of two or three who declared it was impossible for them to think of anything to write were soon busy trying to wrench poetical ideas from their puzzled brains parodies were the easiest to write mary ann had said so most of the verses when done bore strong suggestions of very familiar songs or poems and after they were written it was not hard for most of the girls to supply the rhymes edna who came in too late to join in composing was chosen to read the verses to them after they were done there were no names signed and it was some sport to guess the authors the first one selected from the pile had an easy jingle about it that made the girls certain it was from lily's ready pen it was headed o to my friend i never told the truth but and then i told it i said you were an awful but you didn't have felt so now guess the rhyme said the reader who knew what they were because according to rule they were written on the back it's an every other line rhyme and the second one is gladly it isn't quite fair to tell you that but you'll never guess if i don't give you some clue there was much puzzling about fitting the rhymes but mary ann and bell succeeded in finding them and comfortably fit it once dunce gladly badly into their places at the end of the lines the next verse was easier and even katy found no great difficulty in supplying the missing words oh being at school is pretty good but going home is i'll be full of joy when the term is and i'll write you a farewell the fun dumb better letter that belong to that verse are what i call self-evident rhymes said lily and it's no fun to guess them for they say themselves almost now wait till i write you something grand gloomy and obscure with rhymes that don't shout themselves out at you after browning i suppose oh miles after now hush or i can't hear the whispering of my muse and lily rolled up her eyes and with her hand bending her ear forward put on a rapt appearance of listening then with a blow to the corner of the ceiling and a grateful thanks thanks madam for your timely assistance supposed to be addressed to the obliging but invisible muse she began to scribble rapidly in a few moments handing this effusion to edna to read oft in the chilly when wandering cats are i fly out to the and bid them stop there their shrieks and their howls and have driven me almost crazy that was considered funny because two of the girls had actually jumped out of bed at daylight to suppress some unmelodious cats whose wheels had kept them awake but their united efforts could not produce all the needful rhymes so edna read them off from the back of the paper dawn howling lawn yowling groans moans it was a noticeable fact that when edna joined a circle which included marianne the later soon made an excuse for leaving so after the last poetry had been read and laughed at she quietly slipped out of the room leaving the others to continue the sport without her
Edna commented on her departure with a sarcastic supposition that she had probably gone to seek more congenial society in the servants' quarters, and although there was not a girl present who believed what she said, still there were none who openly contradicted her, for Edna had acquired a sort of influence over the girls that required some moral courage to combat. Study hour came soon after for some of them, but the half-dozen older ones who were left kept on making the verses, which, unfortunately, assumed a personal character that made them seem very pointed and witty to the thoughtless girls, but which led to unhappy results a week later. End of chapter 8 Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Andrum, Northern Ireland